Welcome back to Full Disclosure. I'm Bob Tompkins with my co-host, Brad McCallum. Uh, We today have a phenomenal guest. Her name is Tanya Dalton. She is the author of The Joy of Missing Out and On Purpose. She's a productivity coach, and we are excited to have her on today. She's actually going to be speaking at my event uh, in Columbia, South Carolina at Williams-Brice Stadium, Staying Power on January 23rd. So she's going to be one of our keynotes there. So if you're thinking about coming down to that, absolutely do it. But Brad, I'm excited about this conversation. As you should be. And I think we should mention she is a two-time best-selling author. Uh, She's an absolute powerhouse. We are filming this intro after the conversation. So I can tell you that this will be a very good use of the next hour of your time. So put in your earbuds, go for a workout, go for a drive, and get your head right for 2024 as Tanya walks us through how to be much more intentional, purposeful, and productive with our time. Let's get it. Welcome back to Full Disclosure with Brad McCallum and Bob Tompkins. This is a show where you'll learn how to build a personal brand and a mindset that will help you survive and thrive in any real estate market. We'll be talking to industry leaders and, of course, talking about industry happenings. So tune in every week on your favorite podcast player or on YouTube for the next episode. So we, Tanya, just so you know, we keep these very conversational. So that's perfect. It may seem like there's no rhyme or reason. And I just don't know who's on not. first. So if you could tell me who's on first. Yep. Then... <laughs> yep. Yep. I'll tell that. you what, usually uh, we have other unprofessional real estate agents, not thought leaders, not brilliant people <laughs> like yourself, Tanya. So we apologize for yeah, just the casual nature of, it's very of casual. the podcast. And uh, I couldn't think of two people that could use, you know, maybe... I couldn't think time of t- management for yes. you and I, Brad. We could both be far one of more our major flaws in our lives, and yeah. and so we want, we're so excited to hear about what you have to bring to the uh, the topic from your website. I loved I loved the trademark purposeful, purposeful productivity. productivity. Very mm-hmm. cool, very cool. Why don't you explain a little bit about uh, what you do, Tanya? who you are. We understand that you're a best-selling author, two fantastic books and stuff, but why don't you tell us um, a little bit about who you are, your bio. So our, our, our listeners, um, yep. our realtor friends and stuff would, would understand who you are. Sure. Well, I like to say, you know, I'm a, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm an author, I'm a speaker. And it sounds like there's a lot of things and I wear a lot of hats and I do, but it's really very intentional and very purposeful. And I think that's the thing is so many people wear a lot of hats, but they all try to wear them at the same time. And I have learned that you can't wear them all at the same time. Uh, I started my first business back in 2008. So I'm kind of an OG when it comes to entrepreneurship. And I started my first company with $50. It was literally supposed to be a side business, something I did while my husband traveled the world. My husband does international marketing. Uh, At the time, he was working for Fortune 500 companies, and he would literally buy a ticket where he would leave our home. We were living in Dallas at the time, and he would circle the globe and come back the other side. And I needed something else to do other than being a mom. (laughs) So I started this little side business, and I had a conversation with my husband when he was in Australia or the Middle East, or I don't know where he was, but he was on the other side of the planet. And I was telling him all the things the kids were doing, and at the time, of course, my kids were really little. And I was, you know, telling him all the amazing things that were going on. And he said, I'm missing everything. I'm missing all of it. I'm missing all the moments. And I was like, no, 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 you're really not. But I got off the phone with him and I realized he loved marketing, but he didn't love all the travel. 
So I decided that day, standing in my bright yellow kitchen with zero business experience. And when I say zero, I mean, I didn't even take a course in college on business. I decided I was going to grow my business, this little side hobby, to absorb his MBA income so he could come and work alongside of me. So I set that big audacious goal. And within a, within a year, I made that happen. So he came, started working for me in 2009. He and I have worked together since 2009. So we're one of those couples that works together. We're together 28 hours a day. <laughs> we love it. It works for us. Um, and that's what allowed us to really have the lifestyle freedom we wanted. We wanted time freedom. We wanted lifestyle freedom. We wanted financial freedom. All the things that a lot of people who go into real estate go into real estate for, right? But then we find ourselves chained to the desk or chained to the phone mm -hmm. or and we, and we're working 80 hours a week. Well, I was able to really make that happen. I was able to leave Dallas and move to Asheville, North Carolina, which is where I live now uh, because I had location freedom. So did that. And then I looked at my husband a year after we moved here and I said, I love you. I love working with you. I don't love what we're doing. I really wasn't passionate about what we were creating or doing at the time. So I closed that business, scrapped the whole thing. That was our sole income. Remember, my husband's working for me at that point. Bought our beautiful home, took us on fa fantastic vacations and all those things. But it wasn't ticking the boxes of what made me really happy and lit me up. I was tired of feeling like, oh, I got to go to work. I wanted to go to work, right? And so I ended up closing that business. I opened up Inkwell Press Productivity Co., where I really focused in on creating productivity tools. I realized other people were working 80, 100 hours a week. They were you know, driving themselves crazy, doing all the things instead of the things that were most important. And so that's really why I wanted to start my business. And so I started Inkwell Press. That scaled to seven figures in less than 18 months with wow. just me, my husband, and a part-time employee. So you don't have to have big teams. You don't have to have a lot of money to get started. You really can't make it happen by being productive. And through that, I started offering my podcast um, and I started doing the podcast and then publishers started reaching out to me about writing books. And that's how I ended up writing my two books with HarperCollins. And then I sold my company in 2021. And so now I really focus my time on speaking, consulting, coaching, helping other people live the life that we really went into, you know, these businesses for that, that freedom, time, freedom, lifestyle, freedom, all those freedoms. Okay. That's, so, that's how I am today. <laughs> so there, there's a little bit of there I want to unpack. Um, so the productivity side of things, how, is that something that you've always found you were good at? Like that was a natural skill of yours? Was that hard fought victories from based on your first business's experience? The reason I ask is because I, I, I feel like sometimes you're either a disorganized person or you're an organized person. You're productive or you're kind of all over the place, scatterbrained. And so I just wonder how a productive person would understand, oh, I'm doing more, getting more done with my time than maybe others are. And this could be potentially a transferable skill. Like, so how, how did you kind of define that was either a strength of yours or something that you wanted to build a business around? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I started to realize I was doing a lot of coaching and helping other people with their businesses. And I was like, wait, how are you doing things? Like, why are you doing these 17 different steps? And every time you're doing them, you're doing them in different ways. Don't you have SOPs, standard operating procedures? Don't you have processes? Don't you have these? And they'd be like, what? And I would talk to them about it and they'd be like, oh like their brain is exploding. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much easier if you just do these very simple things. Because that's the thing is 
Productivity is not about doing more. It's not about adding more to your plate or adding complicated processes in. It's really making it very simple and very easy so that you can live the life that you really want to live with purpose, right? We want to choose with purpose. So for me, I've always been productive. I don't think I realized it for a long time, but I've always been very productive. I've always loved to organize my calendar and I like to have processes and systems in place. But at the same time, I also like to do all the things. I like the glory of being busy all the time, right? And it took me a long time to realize that busy and productive are not the same thing. They're actually two very, very different things. And a lot of people I find are chasing busy, calling themselves productive because they're checking a thousand things off their to-do list, right? They're running around busy all day long, but then they're slipping into bed at night and they're like, oh, why didn't I get more done? Or, oh, I'm the worst. I should have done these things, right? And that's because you're busy, not productive. They're, they're very different. And once I began to really unlock that for myself and realize oh, that's the difference, that, that changed everything for me. And I find that with, you know, people in real estate, business owners, or really any, anyone, stay-at-home moms even, once they begin to realize it's not, productivity is not about doing more, it's doing what's most important, first thing we do is figure out what is most important. What is, what is it I need to do? What is the purpose behind the productivity? Mm. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, so like thinking through that, my, the immediate thought that comes to my mind is like when we talk about being busy versus being productive is like, I know in my business all the time, I'll have things that I need to get done. Like they're important items, but mm -hmm. then I'll get I'll have something come across my table. That's like, oh man, that would be a good project to work on. I get a little passionate about it. I, you know, and, and then I start putting my time there, even though it's not nearly as important as some of the other things. I know I deal with it with my team a lot to where it's like, hey, we've got certain meetings where certain things are supposed to get done. And then they'll spend their time working on like a passion project within their business rather than the things that are important to them. And it's like, what sort of like, what sort of boundaries do you have to place or, or how would you tell somebody to think through, you know, focusing and prioritizing the important things over those passion projects that they want to get done? Well, I guess the question would be if they're passion projects, are they not important? right? So that's the first question we need to ask ourselves. Why are you passionate about it? Is this really what I want to be doing more of? So let's say, you know, with people who are in real estate, you find that you're really enjoying more of the staging or you're enjoying more of doing the listings rather than the selling, you know, working with, with buyers rather than sellers or whatever it is. Right. Well, if you like that more, why don't you niche in and do more of that instead? So that's the first thing. If it's something you're passionate about, it's a whole other question if people are feeling like they're getting derailed because it feels like there's urgent fires all the time, right? Because I think the thing is, if you're passionate about something, it's probably important. And my definition of productivity is it's not about doing more, it's doing what's most important. So if you're feeling passionate, stop and ask the question, why? Why am I passionate about this? And don't just ask it once. I believe in a five whys kind of theory. I talk about this. This works for getting to the root cause of anything. Why do I love it? Okay, I love it because of this. Well, why is it because of that? And you dig deeper to get to the heart of what you love. When I closed my first business and you know, I said, okay, I need to start something new because clearly my kids like to eat three meals a day. They like to have a roof over their head. So I needed to have income. I thought to myself, what do I want to do? And it was overwhelming because there's so many choices, so many options, so many opportunities. 
And so I started diving into what were the things I was passionate about as a kid? What were the things that I loved when I was younger, before I started worrying about paying the mortgage or before I worried about making sure those kids got their three meals a day? What was it I liked? And then I asked that question, why? Why did I like it? And then I get into why again? Well, why did I like that? And I started asking why. And the heart of why I liked a lot of what I liked was because, first of all, I found that I loved education. I used to be a teacher. And I once you're a teacher, you're always a teacher. So I always knew I wanted to have an educational component to everything I did, right? I realized I really loved productivity because I loved being organized. And it made me just feel so focused. And it made me feel like I was getting important things done. And so when I began to dive into that, it made it so much clearer what I wanted to do. You know, real estate is a very large swimming pool. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of deaths to it. And so oftentimes what we find is that people who are trying to do all of it, buying, selling, listing, staging, all the different aspects of it, it's so much that you're not able to really dive deep into that deep end of the pool and do the things that you love. Right. So that's what I would ask you first is if these are passion projects, why are you passionate about it? Right. So, for example, Brad, you're passionate about video. Right. Yeah. So you've brought that passion into real estate because there's a really great connection there. And if that connection wasn't naturally there, there's ways that you could bring that in. You know, somehow you can mm -hmm. find those connections. Like for me, I loved teaching and I love productivity. It was like, well, what do I do with this? Right. These are two very unrelated things. I had to connect them. I knew that when I started my company, it would be about productivity, but it would have I had tools that I would sell. I now sell my products are on sale in Staples, Office Depot, all over the country. But I also knew I wanted to have an education part to it. So nice. there were videos that came with them and things like that. So the, find the ways to connect those things. Now, yeah. if you're finding that your day gets derailed because you have a lot of urgent fires, I would ask you to start throwing out your to-do list and making a priority list instead, which when I say throw out your to-do list, people like, <gasps> they break out in hives. They're like, oh my God, throw away my to-do list. And I'm like, yes, because your to-do list is way too long way too disorganized, way too much. And this is why you feel like you're not getting enough done because our brain loves to check things off the list, right? You ever write something on your to-do list after you've done it so you can like check it off? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I sometimes write stuff that. I just finished on the to-do list to give me the sense that I did something. Immediately. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, there's this little chemical in our brain called dopamine that's like, oh, we did stuff, mm -hmm. right? And so what happens is we have these long to-do lists that have everything on there from listing a house to walking the dog, to picking up the dry cleaning, right? To all those things, our brain goes, what can I check off first? I like that dopamine. And we'll go for the easy wins and we'll find ourselves chasing our tails, doing a million things that aren't really important, that are truly just list checker offer things, right? Things that are really that important. So I tell people to make a priority list instead. And a priority list is, I like to say it's a to-do list with intention. Takes the exact same amount of time to make as a to-do list, only you're being very intentional. So I do mine with three different categories in it. So the top category is escalate. So these are tasks that are urgent. So yes, they're an urgent fire. It needs to be done. It's got a looming deadline, but it's also important, meaning it's tied to a future right? It's an investment. It's something that's cultivated. It's, it's, it's going to be something that's going to help me out in the future, or it's something that's tied to a goal 
or my North Star, my mission, my vision, my core values. So I start there at the top and I write down what are the things I need to do that are under escalate. So important and urgent. The second category is cultivate. What are the tasks I have that are important that aren't urgent? And these are the tasks that a lot of times we kind of push to the side because they're not a fire, right? They're not pinging at you or yelling at you and they don't have a deadline. But this is actually, I call it cultivate because this is the part that bears fruit the most. It's sitting down and creating your marketing budget. It's making your, your standard operating procedures, your SOPs. It's training that new assistant so they'll actually do more than just get your coffee, right? It's taking the time to actually invest. So those are tasks that are important, but aren't really urgent. And then at the bottom of your list, that's just your accommodate area. So these are tasks that are urgent. They're like the fires that are going off, but they're not really important. They're the things like picking up the dry cleaning, right? Things you could delegate to somebody else or you could do on the way to doing something else, right? So those are the tasks at the bottom. You start at the top, you get, get your escalate tasks done, then your cultivate, and then at the bottom, the accommodate. And what happens is, even if you do fewer tasks, and this is what I think is amazing, you do fewer things that are more important, you go to bed at night and you go, oh, I did good today. Today felt amazing. And that's what we're missing, right? Oftentimes it's that other feeling. So I got a question for you, Tanya, then. Um, have you worked with, coached with real estate agents in the past? Yep. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I love working with real estate agents because I think real estate agents are amazing because they're always looking to sharpen their saw. They're always wanting to do Completely. things better, right? Completely. Yeah, now, they're amazing. What do you see, where do you see them? Uh, like, what is the most common sort of flaws or like the common, I guess, uh, uh, failings uh, of a real estate agent when it comes to organizing their business, balancing it with a family life, all those sorts of things? Yeah, I would say probably the number one thing I see is the lack of boundaries, right? We're so afraid of not calling the client back immediately that we lose all of our boundaries and we find ourselves in our email inbox at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. And we're irritated that people have overstepped our bounds, mm -hmm. but we haven't communicated it to them. Nine times out of 10, we don't, have a, we don't have a communication promise, right? Here's how I promise to communicate with you. We don't have it in our contracts. We don't have it in our email footer or in our, our voicemail. And all of those are really important to communicate. Listen. Here is why I communicate in this way. And this is what I tell a lot of real estate agents. If you communicate with people why you have this communication policy, they're going to appreciate it because I like to tell them, well, you tell them, you know, I have clients who are closing on houses. They, they get top priority. And when you're closing your house with me and when we find that amazing dream home, I want to make sure that I'm available to answer your phone call, answer your questions, because there's a lot that moves fast at that point, right? Yeah. And so it's really setting those boundaries of here's when I'm going to communicate with you. Here's when I'm going to return your phone calls. And a lot of times people will say, but what if they go to someone else? I'm like, well, they probably weren't your client. Because quite frankly, a client who doesn't understand or respect your boundaries is the client that's going to, you're going to earn that money that you're making yeah. off of them, right? They're the client who's irritated that you're not returning their phone call at, at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning or whatever it is. So it's very important to, first of all, be clear about what your boundaries are, be clear about who you want to work with, because those boundaries need to work together. If you're wanting to work with retirees, they have very different times that they want to be available than a young family, 
right? Yep. Versus, you know, whether you're doing commercial, whether people who are in the commercial real estate business. So really think about what works for your ideal avatar, your ideal client, what works for you, create that boundary and then communicate it. And honestly, that eliminates a lot of those urgent fires. I would imagine, you know, that there's a few things that uh, really resonated with me on that. I noticed one of the first things that I did when I just set a higher commission rate for our services is that I was the last person to realize that that's what we were worth. My clients had no problem with it whatsoever, right? As soon as I started <laughs> setting a few boundaries in different areas of my business, I found out once again, um, this only made sense. I remember one day I received a call from a, a guy who said, Brad, I've been watching your videos. I'm such a big fan. He had a three and a half million dollar home to list. And uh, he's like, I just got one question. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, how could I get straight through to you? Like, I thought you were a bigger deal. Like, why can't I just call the number and get straight through to you? And that's when I realized like, wait a second. Um, it's me that has this limiting belief. And I even, I was finding that even mm -hmm. as I was starting to in institute some of these things that you're talking about, I think agents, I see a lot of agents do this. Agents on my team do this as well, um, is we'll set a boundary, but then we're the first to break our rule. So we'll go out, <laughs> <That's> So true, <laughs> right? Like we'll go like, say like, okay, this is fine. And the clients are fine with engaging us within those boundaries. And then we'll send them the email at 1115 in the mm -hmm. evening. And it's just open the door like, okay, this is okay now. And that's exactly right. That's so true. And the thing is, one of the things I like to tell real estate agents is you have hours of availability and hours of business. And there's a big difference because mm -hmm. you might find that, hey, I'm a night owl. I love working at 11 o'clock at night. You're not wanting to communicate with your clients at 11 o'clock at night. So maybe you write the email and you schedule the send, right? Mm, Every email program allows you to schedule the send. So then it sends out during your communication hours. You don't send it on Saturday evening. You don't send it late on Friday night because then they reply back and they're like, well, hey, we're starting the conversation. And next Friday yeah. night, when they email you, they're like, you didn't even return my, my email. And you're like, well, I was trying to have a Friday night with my family, right? Yeah. So schedule that send. It's okay to, to be working on your business at different times, especially... A lot of people have families. I mean, I know when I started my first business, literally I had two kids playing at my feet and my big work days were like Tuesday and Thursday because of Mother's Day out. <laughs> I grew a six-figure company working two days a week with two kids playing at my feet yeah. because those were my go days. Those are the days that I was more on and I was doing the work stuff. Um, but so yes, I worked Tuesday, Thursday, but then I also worked late night on Wednesday after the kids went to bed. I worked, you know, to Saturday morning before the kids got up. But again, that wasn't a time to communicate with other people. That time was sacred. And not only is it that I don't want to be communicating with them then and breaking those boundaries, I also want to go deep into my work zone. If I'm getting phone calls and text messages left and right that are disrupting that workflow, every time you get interrupted, it takes 23 minutes to get back to that deep state of flow. 23 minutes. So if you're getting a text every five minutes, you're never getting there. And it's no wonder you feel like you're scattered and you're exhausted. So if are, you, are you saying then that it's a myth that we can multitask? Is that, is that, are you oh, of that belief yeah. or, okay. Absolutely. Oh, it's not even a belief because it is scientifically proven. Our brain right. is like a train track, right? So this, Our brain is, sorry. go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, finish what you're saying because I want to hear this. Yeah. And then I'll ask my question. <laughs> Our brain is like a train track and only one train can be on that track at the same time. 
right? And so if it's a communication area of your brain that's being used, you can't, it's like when you're on the phone with a friend, have you ever been on the phone with a friend and you can tell they're not really paying attention because you're like, did you hear what I just said? And they're like, Brad oh, does well, it I'm sorry, I was, yeah, I I was scrolling. To, I do right? it to Bob all the time, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, <laughs> called you out on that. Uh, but this is the thing, it's because only one train can be on that track. Now that's different than bas background tasking, like chewing gum and walking or listening to a podcast while you drive. That's two different areas of your brain, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're using that same area of the brain, communication, and you're trying to use it in two different ways, you keep getting pulled out of these deep work states. Mm -hmm. And instead we need to, to shut it down. Um, if there's some really interesting studies, there's this interesting study from the University of London that was done where they compared people who were multitasking with people who were smoking marijuana and they were less productive when you were multitasking than if you were smoking marijuana. So well, that's good news for Bob. <laughs> Sounds like an endorsement of these animals. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Well, I will say this. Um, I think I've, I've, so I do follow some of these productivity experts. One, one of my favorite YouTubers is Ali Abdal. And he talks a lot about uh, productivity. But one of the things that I find that I struggle with the most is I... I'm at a stage in my life where I work a lot from home. I've got my my family, my kids around me. We work a lot with the with the brokerage that I'm at. And so I'll have a meeting at nine and then one at like 1045. And like just other people are somewhat setting my schedule throughout the week. And I'll get to the end of the day. And I've got some big goals, some big things that I'm working on for 2024. And at the end of the day, I'm no closer to them. I did the meetings but I'm no closer to those bigger, bigger pieces. Um, I, I think this podcast is actually turning more. Actually, we're not going to publish it. This is just an intervention for Bob and I. Uh, Tanya, if you could just help, if you could just help us with our lives in 2024. <laughs> but no, I. So intentionality is a big thing that I've been thinking about coming into to 2024. Um, as I've gotten older, I've realized. Okay, there's. I don't actually want to do everything anymore, and I'm gonna actually have to be okay with either letting go or not achieving something in one part of my life in order to get further in another part. When you're working with a new client mm -hmm. and someone's trying to establish what those priorities are, so they can even begin to make a priority list, what's that process of taking them from okay, they've got all these different things to moving them to that one single track, this is the direction that you need to go to actually hit the things that are most important for you. Yeah, I love this question because I like to tell people every time we say yes, we're saying no to something else. So every time you say yes to the client who's not your ideal client, you are saying no to finding that ideal client, right? Or whatever the task is. So we don't realize it because a lot of times we say yes out of obligation, out of expectation, out of this is just what I'm supposed to do. I don't know who decides what we're supposed to do, but we all live by these rules, right? Of This is what we are supposed to do as a, as a good parent, as a, as a good realtor, as a good business owner or whatever it is. So we feel obligated a lot of times to say yes. And the truth is every yes has a hidden no. So when you say yes to doing more at work, you're saying no to your family time, right? Okay. Or saying no to coaching your kid's soccer team or whatever it is. You have to really realize what am I saying when I'm saying yes, what am I actually saying no to? And I like to advise people when you're asked about an opportunity, you have to decide what is it I'm saying no to because it's gonna eat up time, resources, possibly budget, 
Time, I, mean, I think I already said time, but time is a big one, right? Yeah, you can say it twice. The thing. I can say it, I can, you know, I'm gonna say it three times, time, because yeah. it's that big. And I think that's what people need to start realizing is, okay, if I'm saying yes to volunteering on this board, or if I'm saying yes to taking on a new department within, you know, real estate, I'm gonna now do, do, do commercial and I'm gonna do uh, residential. What am I saying no to ultimately? Because a nine times out of 10, it's truly your real priorities you're saying no to which a lot of times is our kids, our spouse, our significant other, our friends, our own passion projects, because, oh my gosh, you can have passion projects outside of work. Did yeah. you realize that? You can actually do things for fun just because it feels good. Um, so really recognizing and realizing that. But one of the first things I like to tell people is it really does take discovery. Discovery is the first stage of everything because I think what happens is a lot of times we think there's a magic button. There's like the easy button where it's like, oh, I just need to do these five things. And then all of a sudden we'll be productive. And yeah. so we twist and turn and we put this productivity system front and center. And then we try to bend and twist ourselves and our lives to really fit whatever this expert has said we are supposed to do. The 72 things that, su that successful CEOs do before breakfast or whatever it is, right? Yeah. And I say the truth is we need to figure out what your priorities are. What are you interested in? What are you passionate about? What are your core values? What are the things that truly drive you forward? And then we create the productivity system to wrap around you and your priorities. And that's the difference because it should feel easy, right? So we want to dive in. And that question we talked about earlier, why, is a big one. When you talk about what you're passionate about, why are you passionate about it? What are your core values? Why do you do the things that you do? What is it that you want to do with your business? You know, one of the things I love talking to people about is their purpose. And people in real estate, they don't sell real estate. They buy homes. They, they, they help connect people with their dreams. They create connections so that families can live together, so that their kids can go to school. We do so much more. You need to know what your why is. Why do you do the things that you do? Those are your priorities. Yeah. Why you do the things that you do. And really, truly understanding why you do what you do. So that's your mission. Your mission is not what you do. It's why you do it. Your vision, where it is you want to go. Can't just jump in the car and expect to get where you want to go, right? Same thing with our business. Where is it we want to go? What's the vision of where we want to be you know, five years from now, 10 years from now? Do we want to grow it so we can sell it? Do we want to grow it so we can bring on a team? Do we want to stay small and boutique? All of those are okay, but you have to decide what those are, right? And then we have to understand the core values, how we're going to do it. What are the things that are truly important to me? And when we understand those things, we understand what our priorities are, right? The why, the where, and the how of what we're doing in our business. Because the truth is, your business is not running your life. You need to be running your business. The business is not the end goal. And I think that's the mistake a lot of people make is they think I'm going to be happy when I sell X number of homes, right? Or when I get this level of revenue, suddenly the clouds are going to part, rainbows are going to shoot out of the sky, maybe a unicorn, maybe two if we're lucky. And then all of a sudden we're going to be happy. But the truth is your business is not the goal. Your business is the vehicle for the life that you want to live. So what does that life look like and work backwards? And then we can choose what our priorities are. And then we double down our time, our money, our energy, our resources, all of those things on the fewer things that truly matter to us.
Oh, I love it. I love so, it. Okay, so, so you know, hey, Brian, I've had a burning question. Sorry, please do for, for ten to fifteen minutes, and I didn't get to <laughs> ask it. So the the thing that I'm curious about because it's like when we, when we talk about prioritizing the right things, saying when you say yes, you say no. Like one of the things that I've implemented into my schedule over the last year, year and a half, somewhat effectively, I abandon it at times because I say yes to a lot of things. Um, is time blocking my schedule to try and be hyper-focused on certain items at certain times. And I hope that you're going to reinforce this belief that it's the right thing to do, but I hope you're not going to tear it down. But like, is time blocking something that people should do? And how is the most effective way for them to go about it if it is the right way to go about it? Bob, you get extra bonus points because yes, I'm a big fan of time blocking. (laughs) (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. Good. I think time blocking, it really does. You know, we talked earlier about that idea and that concept of distractions that we can get it. I call it a container of time. And for me, I don't know why, but I think of it like a piece of Tupperware, like a Tupperware container, because it has edges, right? You have a starting time, you get in, you go deep and it's got an ending time and then you get back out and then you move on to the next container of time. I love creating these containers because I think it's really important when you sit down at the start of the day to say, these are my priorities and this is what I'm spending my time doing. And by batching them and blocking off your time, you're indicating not only to yourself that these are important, but also to other people as well. I really encourage people to block them into their public calendar. Like if you have assistants or people who can go in and schedule things for you, block them in. But I also advocate not to time block like, because the mistake a lot of people make is they sit down on Sunday night or Monday morning and they want to map out the whole week. I'm going to do this on Monday, this on Tuesday. I'm going to block out this time, right? And then we wonder why we feel unproductive. Well, what happens is maybe Monday is fantastic. Monday is like super productive. It feels incredible. But Tuesday you wake up with, you know, allergies and you're exhausted or you've had a sick kid crawl in your bed at three in the morning. It happens. And you wake up and it's just not a good day, but you've already slotted so much into your day. You've already jam-packed it. So you feel like a failure on Tuesday. And guess what? You wake up Wednesday, you're already behind because you got to make up for Tuesday, right? So I really believe in sitting down, I call it making a purge list. I have a whole process called the five P's. The first P is purging, getting all those ideas out of your head. Stop using your head as a filing cabinet, write them down. Use that list each morning to process the day. How do I feel? What's important today? What's going on in my life? What do I want to prioritize? Then you're going to block out your time. Then you're going to figure out what you're going to do when you're with your batching. Now, if you're the type of person who has a lot of people tapping you for your time, I would just block out sections of your calendar that are just like, and put them as meetings. That's the thing. If you put personal time, people don't think twice about like stepping over that, right? Just mark it down as a meeting. It's like a meeting with yourself. So it's like, I know for me, morning times are my most productive time. So I'm pretty fierce about protecting those. So I don't have on my public facing calendar times where people can, you know, talk to me during the morning time. I make exceptions from time to time, but that's a conscious choice that I'm making, right? So I do block it out, but I don't have it marked with, hey, I'm going to be doing this during this time. I'm going to be writing my book or I'm going to be doing the podcast necessarily or whatever it is. I make sure that it's very fluid. You have to give yourself grace. I think that's the mistake a lot of people make, especially with productivity. They want it to be super rigid. And the problem with rigid things is they break. Buildings, bridges are all built to bend and twist with the wind so they can withstand hurricanes, 
right? We have to do that in our own lives. It's like scaffolding for our for our day, but it has to have that flexibility and that grace for life to happen because life will throw monkey wrenches at you all day long. <laughs> so it's it's almost more of a framework to to build mm-hmm. your life around rather than a by minute, by the hour, on the fifteen minute increment. It's more of a framework yeah. of having these buckets or these containers, well, as you call them. I know, I know. For me and Brad, the positions that we hold within our brokerage, like we get pinged all the time for stuff, Brad, more so than I do to get roped into different calls. So it's like, I hear it. And I'm like, I, me and Brad have had this conversation a lot. We're like, Brad, you'd be like so better off if you just had like certain times that you took calls instead of like mm-hmm. they have the nine 30 to 10 45, I booked two one o'clocks. It's like by having a set period of time to be able to like, Hey, I'm, I'm not taking any calls before noon. I can't do that because I need to take care of all of these other things. And then you have your Calendly link. You have the things that people can book later in the day. Um, Cause I know like I get driven crazy if we have to move this time, like when, when we film mm-hmm. our podcast, cause I'm like, we film it at the same time every Wednesday. And it's like, we can't move it. Like <laughs> now we're filming on a third. Cause it's like, I'm because I'm almost too rigid with certain amount mm-hmm. certain things to where I don't have, if Brad's like, we got to move it. I'm like, I don't have the flexibility to move it. What do you mean? We have to move it. So it's like, I feel I hear both sides of that to where it's like, okay, you have to have those times, but you can't be so rigid that you can't, that your entire week blows up if mm-hmm. one thing has to change. I love that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Rigidity is like glass, right? A glass will shatter if it's got too much pressure. We want it to be more like a little bit like a balloon, right? Where it expands and contracts. But I will say, because what I heard there from you is that you're getting pinged from your team to get on these calls. I would say, first of all, do you have like a checklist of what necessitates you being on a call? Like, is it a certain level of client? Is it a, there should be a checklist, right? A filter that's like these Five things have to be met in order for me to be on this call. Because if it's just a FaceTime, hey, here's Bob, you know, you can do that Mm -hmm. in a five minute, hey, I'm just swinging by to say hi, wanted to say hello, and then walk out the door rather than being on a 45 minute call, right? So that would be my first challenge. Brad got pinged this week. I'm laughing because Brad got pinged this week for a call. There was there was no reason he should have been on the call. And he went in our group chat and he was venting about it. He was like, why am I? Why, why? He's like, what am I doing wrong that people think they can bring me <laughs> onto this pointless call? <laughs> There's no value for him. Well, you know what? I, but the funny thing is, is that I I also like, I, I look at, um, so at, at the brokers that we're at, the president of Real Broker, he is probably one of thought of as maybe the top thought leader in the real estate industry. But I know him personally, and he's incredibly productive. He's incredibly smart. The one, if he had one chink in his armor, he's accessible and he's understood the power in giving people some access to him because it's allowed them. But I've also seen the dark side of that A message from him saying, I just got off a call with someone on a Sunday afternoon away from my kids for an hour. And this person, you know, really didn't appreciate the fact that I was on there at all. It was unproductive. I feel really negative after this call. And I just thought to myself, I'm like, hey, I get why an idiot like me (laughs) takes that call on a Sunday, but you're a top performer, right? So I I don't know, and definitely not to throw him under the bus on this, but just that idea, just that idea though, of, of like, 
the rigidity rigidity versus that that balloon idea that to have some flexibility to allow for maybe some of those exceptions but also why do you see people self sabotage now i have a bit of a theory around this i could throw mine out there and hear what you have to say um <laughs> but why do you think some people will know what they want they've identified where they want to get to and then even still find themselves not yeah. not going after it. and some in some like in some ways in my mind i see this all the time because i talk to agents from the perspective of them wanting to be consistent on a posting on social media or on youtube they want to you know increase their quality or their creativity they want to start a youtube channel these different um, avenues and i'll see them come back to me a week later with a really great like i'm going to do this other thing first i've got this whole thing out by spring i'll be why are they putting off these things that they know is the thing that's going to move the needle the most in their business? Um, like, is that something psychologically or is that more systems based? Oh, I like to say 99% of business is like right here in your brain. It's a hundred percent mindset. Right. And every time you get to a new level, there's new things to, to, to un unveil and to, to work on. Um, and I think too, in thinking about, you know, people who are leading brokerage firms or like, you know, the president of, of the company, a lot of times there's a lot of guilt. So it goes back to that expectation and obligation we talked about right. earlier. You don't ever want your team to not feel like you're working hard, right? Because you set the tone of how hard everybody else is working. Sure. So what I found as CEO is I was working twice as hard as other people. Why? Simply so I could look like I was working harder than everybody else, right? Because I didn't want them to feel like I was checking out early. The number of of bosses, CEOs, managers that I've talked to who are afraid. So we operate out of fear, out of scarcity. We're afraid to say, hey, you know what? I don't work on Fridays, mm -hmm. which is one of the things I started implementing personally. I didn't work on Fridays, uh, leaving work at three o'clock every day to be home with my kids. I was still getting amazing work done. And all that matters at the end of the day is you're getting your things done, right? Your team is communicated with. So I think one of the mistakes that a lot of times we make is we are overly accessible in a lot of ways, because we don't want to look, Hey, I don't want people to think I'm too big for this, or I want to make sure I feel grounded or all those things. But then we are saying, so we're saying yes to that phone call on Sunday afternoon. We're saying no to that time with our kids on Sunday afternoon. Mm -hmm. We're saying no to having ourselves getting reset. I know for us, my family, we do Sunday afternoon meetings where we gather together and we talk about what I have, what my priorities are, what my husband's priorities are, what the kids' priorities are, what projects do they have, because I'm teaching my kids to be productive, right? My goal as a parent is to raise productive children who become adults who are out in the world doing their thing and not living in my basement when they're 45 years old. So, <laughs> mom, <laughs> right? <laughs> totally. I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> Sorry, guys. She'll. <laughs> But it, it's true. I think we operate a lot of times out of guilt and there's a lot of fear there. So what one of the things we'll do is I like to call it productive procrastination, where yeah. we'll come up with all these things we have to do in order to not do the thing that really moves the needle. You know, know why? Because we're scared of it. I because think we're so like, too. oh my God, what if it, what if it actually works out? Yeah, like what if, what if it, it actually happens? Or then are people going to expect me to do this all the time? I mean, there's a yeah. lot of fear that plays into it. So we come up with all these other things and we make ourselves busy, yeah. but we're not truly busy, right? We're chasing the, the small tasks and it's productive procrastination. It really you know is. What's the, and it's a, it this productive. is on the mind of everyone, of, of every real estate agent at this moment in time, because the last quarter of 2023 or of any given year, 
is the business planning quarter that most agents start to sit down and write down their goals for next year, what they want to achieve. And oftentimes it looks a lot like the piece of paper they wrote down the previous year. A lot of those things. Change, change the date. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and you know, what's amazing to me is oftentimes we'll go out and we'll, we'll maybe even hit our number. We'll even sell mm -hmm. more and we'll reach some of those goals, but they aren't quite as fulfilling. They aren't the ones that we know would really change our lifestyle in the way that would be meaningful. And so sometimes we maybe put money or, you know, material success as the North star for fear, or even just for lack mm -hmm. of understanding uh, who we are and what we really want. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And to be honest with you, revenue is such a vanity metric, quite frankly. I, I know people who run $32 million companies who bring home, like their, their profit is under $5,000. Revenue mm -hmm. doesn't mean anything, right? Yeah. It really doesn't. Show me your profit margin. Don't show me your revenue. Cause at the end of the day, that's, that's really what matters. Um, you know, and that's the thing is a lot of times we don't know what to measure. And so revenue is an easy thing to measure. Numbers yeah. are always easy. Right. And so one of the things I do talk to people a lot about is how do you figure out what your goals are? Because I think a lot of times we're setting goals based off what everybody else is doing. We look around and we're like, Ooh, this agent's doing great things. I should be doing more of that. I'm going to do more of that. Or yeah. this competitor over here, they're killing me in this. I should do videos. I don't like videos. I don't like being on, on, on the screen, but I should do it anyways because they're doing it, right? So they're setting goals based off what everybody else is doing, not truly what they're passionate about or what they want or their why or their how or their where, like we talked about earlier. So it's really important to, first of all, be clear on where it is you want to go. Where is the vision? What is it you're wanting? And then I, I walk people through this whole process where it's like a timeline. You know, like when you're in third grade, you do a timeline yeah. of your life, like you are here and here's what you're going to be. It's the same thing. You look out into the future and you say, okay, five years from now, this is where I want to be. All right, let's back up that timeline. If this is where I want to be five years from now, what do I need to be doing three years from now? All right, what do I need to be doing 18 months from now? Okay, if I need to do that 18 months from now, what do I need to prioritize? Yeah. Okay, well, if that's what you need to prioritize, those are your goals. And that's actually connected to where it is you're wanting to go, to that big, beautiful purpose that you have that's so much greater than just selling houses, mm -hmm. right? So understanding where you want to go and then backing that timeline up allows you to really be clear on what those goals are. And then when you're thinking about how do I measure them, it's not always numbers. It sometimes can be activities. Let, let's say that you want to sell more houses, Instead of setting a revenue goal, maybe you set a goal for how often you're networking. Okay, three times a week, I'm going to network and I'm going to make sure I'm reaching out. One of those days is going to be old clients. Two of those days is going to be new clients. One of those is going to be new clients I've already connected with. And the other day is going to be some new area. I'm going to look for, you know, some other area that I can tap into to network. You can control that. You can't control what the housing market does, right? So we're setting goals that are mm -hmm. uncontrollable by focusing on revenue or how many people come to you. You Great can point. control how much you network and that networking will result in higher revenue. So start met looking at really what you want to measure because those activities are, that's what's going to make the difference, right? You know, so, like Brad, we do like, we do so much video marketing. We, we have like our whole groups of people at, our brokerage that that's their priority. It's like yeah. marketing, video, social, those sort of things. 
And it's like, it would be interesting if people stopped making their goals, like, oh, I want to sell $20 million worth of real estate and instead made their goal like, hey, I want to put two pieces of content out every single week. And if, if like mm-hmm. that was their goal and it's like, hey, listen, this, we know that this is a byproduct of marketing. So it's like, if we just do these things, this will come. But that's normally not how the goals are approached. Um, so it's, it's also exciting for me because it's affirming me and Brad were having a conversation about this last night that over the past like year, year and a half, I've had a couple people tell me based on my previous marketing, if I wanted to get where I was going, I needed to like button things up, not be as like, um, out there or like not be as Bob, not be as much Bob. And it's, that's a big mistake. Well, right. But it's it's one of those. You hear it. Bob and should be Bob. Bob should be Bob. Yes. But you hear the voices. Yeah. And it's like, it's oh, like, man, yeah. it's like, maybe I should like do something because mm-hmm. those people that were telling me that were in positions of success higher than me. So it's like, okay, if I want to get there, maybe this is what I need to do. And then it's realizing like the thing I enjoyed the most from video content was being able to be fun and entertaining and and laugh at myself and have other people laugh at me. And like that, that's what was fun. So when you took that away, it's like, the passion went away. I didn't, I didn't enjoy doing it anymore. And it's like mm-hmm. the, one of the the biggest goal I would say for me in 2024 is like making it fun again. Brad knows like I have a videographer that I've hired that starts in a month and it's like, we've got all this content planned out. And it's like, you know what, as I'm thinking through my goals, maybe I should restructure to, even though it's already a part of the plan, making it the plan. That's like, Hey, this content is what we need to make, what we need to put out. And all of the other stuff will be a byproduct of that. Um, so this, okay. I mean, I love this. Like this part of the conversation. I want to, I want to uh, piggyback on this because I'm really curious your thoughts on this, Tanya. Um, mm-hmm. uh, from day one, I, uh, when I started doing the the marketing that I did in real estate, when agents reached out, what they wanted to know was how many hours did it take to edit the video? How much did the videographer cost? <laughs> what was the software that you used? All these different questions. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I do not know the ROI. In fact, most of the activities that I I feel like I spend my time on in my real estate business have an ROI of zero, but that obviously can't be true because we've had results that have have, 5X or 10X other agents in our market in a lot of ways. And so it it feels like it's both priceless and worthless Mm -hmm. almost all at the same time, but I have a lot of joy in doing it. So um, how do you, as someone as a pro- productivity expert um, that really understands, you know, putting systems and standard operating procedures into your life. How do you balance that with the idea of ROI or calculating it for someone or getting people beyond the idea of it? Or how, how would you put that into words, I guess, is a better way to say it. Yeah, that's a good question because we do get really tied to the ROI and we like to see those dots connect. And when they do, we're like, oh, it's beautiful. Even if we hated the things that we were yeah. doing. Did this <laughs> thing, not this thing. Did this thing, right? not this thing. Yeah. And let's be honest, in life, that's that rarely happens. Mm-hmm. You know, we we could try to connect the dots of, of how I got to where I am now. And that road is like back and forth. Yeah. It's like a switchback up the mountain. It's crazy. And so the question I would say that you need to be asking more of is when you're finding your ideal client, your ideal avatar, the people who you absolutely love working with, they love working with you, you want more of them, ask them, hey, how'd you find me? How'd you stumble across me? Right? Mm -hmm. Just start asking those questions. It doesn't have to be a formal survey. 
just asking those questions. You know, how'd you first find out about me? Because you might hear again and again, oh, I saw this video of you. I got this forwarded from a friend, this video. Yeah. And you'll start to see, oh, that's the ROI. You're not going to get a number. And so you have to walk away with always feeling like you have to have the number. Numbers mm -hmm. are important when we're looking at our P&Ls, when we're looking at our financial yeah. documents. Otherwise, you got to let some of that go. That's that rigidity again, right? Mm -hmm. So start tapping in and asking the people that you love working with, how are you finding me? And that will start to tell you, okay, these activities are working. And part of it is too, paying attention to like, okay, we did this video. All of a sudden we have all these clients calling. You can probably connect those dots. You don't really need an expert to connect the dots for you. You know, intuitively, I did this and this happened, but we yeah. tend to dismiss it because there's not a straight, perfect black line that takes this dot to this dot, right? So, and again, this goes back to that whole question too of why that we were talking about earlier. And when we were talking about the passion projects and how they get you off track, mm -hmm. those are the things that actually drive you forward. Bob, you yeah. being Bob is the thing that people love. This is what people resonate with. This is mm -hmm. why people want to work with you. They want to listen to you. You take away that magic and you've lost it, Yeah. right? All the fun yeah. is gone, but then you also lose the people who love that about you. And those are your ideal clients. That's right. So, Those few things that change everything. Right. It, and that's the thing is when you start to trace the line of your life, like just think of a major thing in your life. So let's say it could be, it could be going into real estate. It could be how you met your spouse. It could be how you, whatever, right. Start tracing that line back. You're going to notice it wasn't point A to point B. It was like point A to point C to F to G yeah. to Q back to B then to yeah. R. And then we got to where we are now. I know for me, I started off life, you know, as a teacher, and then I was a stay-at-home mom. And you heard my story, how I started a company with 50 bucks. It was supposed to be a side thing that I did for fun. And here I am speaking on stages, writing books, doing what I'm truly passionate about that I love doing. If you had told me, you know, 20 some odd years ago, how are you going to get there? I would have been like, no idea, right? You just put one foot in front of the other and start really believing in yourself, have the faith to believe in yourself that you know what you're doing and that you're paying attention. This is why I think it's really important. Each quarter, I schedule time for assessment. So I do it at the end of the last week of each quarter of the year. And during the third quarter, that's actually when I do my year planning for the next year ahead. Uh, but I sit down and I ask myself questions. So I, I call it the three A's. The first thing I do is I, I just pay attention. I assess, where am I? You know, a lot of times we set these goals, we're on the super highway of life. We're going 80 miles an hour, even though the speed limit's 60. And all of a sudden we're off the highway. So the first thing is to just, okay, where am I? Then what I want you to do is just go, okay, without judgment, do I like where I am? Is this good? Because sometimes we get off that highway and we're like, oh my God, there's a whole scenic route here. I had no idea there was this whole other path, this opportunity here, right? And then our last day is to adjust, make the adjustment, either throw out the old goals and stick on this new path and set new goals for yourself or shift a few things that you're doing, make some tweaks to get back on the highway where you want to be, right? So you want to assess, you want to acknowledge and you want to adjust. And if you do that each quarter, you're going to find that the line isn't straight and it's okay, but you're always moving in the direction you want to go. And that's truly what's most important. Okay. I absolutely love that, Tanya. Now, one thing um, that I feel like we should mention, we'll definitely mention it in the intro, 
You are a two-time best-selling author, one book called On Purpose, one called The Joy of Missing Out. Now, when I read the cover of The Joy of Missing Out, I kind of laughed because first thing I thought of is there's that like meme, right? There's that, it's like the introvert's uh, like anthem, right? Because, you know, the, the fear of missing out, fear. that's what all the extroverts, <laughs> right? But the yep. introverts are like, oh, the joy of missing out. I get to just stay at home and be by myself. But that's not what you're talking about in that title. So how, what does the joy of missing out mean to you? Why would that book be valuable to um, our listeners? Yeah, well, the, the joy of missing out really is about that ability to understand that you need some more no's in your life. You have to choose to miss out on doing all the things in order to really live a life of intention. I like to tell people that people get, you know, they get attracted to the shiny object. Ooh, productivity, tell me more. And I'm like, they come in the door and I'm like, it's really intentional living. It's really choosing. It all comes down to the choices we make. And we have to choose to miss out on certain opportunities. We have this fear that opportunity only knocks once. And if we don't answer, it's never coming back. And the truth is, sometimes that door should not be opened because those opportunities are not ours. We're not interested in them at all. Mm -hmm. So it's understanding that when you are clear about who you are, you find a lot of joy in choosing to say no to what maybe everybody else is doing this. And that's okay. I'm doing my own thing. Because truly, aren't we happiest when we're doing our own thing, when we're, we're moving to the beat of our own drummer or whatever, you know, however that saying goes. So it's choosing where you want to go and then making steps each and every day to get there. And I think that's truly what the joy of missing out is about because there is so much happiness. There is so much joy in the cracks and the crevices of our everyday life. It's stopping and slowing down and choosing to see them, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of saying yes and doing all the things, saying, I'm going to miss out on all the things and I'm going to choose the things, I'm going to choose the things I really want. I'm going to choose the people I love. I'm going to choose the activities I'm truly passionate about. I'm going to choose to do in real estate what I absolutely love to do. And I'm not, I'm not going to feel bad about missing out on any of the rest. So the joy of missing out really is it's a book about how to live. I think it's amazing because it's, it was named by fortune magazine as a top 10 business book of the year. Wow. As I mentioned earlier, I've never even taken a business class in college. So that felt like quite the accomplishment. Um, but this is the thing is how we run our business and how we run our life are very much the same. They really are. I like to say our home life, um, especially if you have kids, is a nonprofit, right? Mm -hmm. We don't make any money off of it, but we're trying to produce well-adjusted children with ethics and morals and who are productive. And there's not a lot of pay. It's a lot of work and the hours are shit, quite frankly, but it what? is amazing work. And a lot of what we talk about in business applies to what we're doing at home. Even with our teens, our kids and our spouse, our significant others, they are part of our team. And so really, I love the marriage of home and, and work life because I truly believe that that works together. I know for my kids, they've always grown up with a mom who's a CEO. My son, who's you know 20 years old, doesn't think twice about seeing a woman who's, you know, running a business mm -hmm. and they just think that's totally normal. So I, I love, I love how that intermingles because my kids have always been a big part of what I do in my business. They feel like it's our company versus mine. They know what I'm doing. We have our family meetings. Like I mentioned, they understand what's happening in my world. I know what's happening in theirs and we support each other. I think that's really what brings a team together, a team at work and a team at home. 
So a lot of, a lot of your content, um, it's definitely, it seems to be, uh, despite the obvious connections that it's, it's useful to everyone. And a lot of your writing obviously seems to be, uh, for women. Um, how, how is productivity, especially for, for female realtors, like a challenge or different than from maybe what men would experience and what is like, what are some of the unique aspects, I guess, that you see that they could integrate into their lives to find something that feels a little bit more intentional? Yeah. Well, I like to say, um, you know, books for millennia have been written for men and we women have just read it for ourselves. My book is the same way it's written. And, you know, most of it is about women, but I have so many men who read it who are like, I love this. This is exactly how I'm feeling. Yeah. I think the difference between men and women is we have made incredible strides in our world. And like my husband is fantastic. We are true partners, but people still look to me to sign the field trip note. People still look to me to make sure that dinner gets on the table. People still ask me who's watching the kids when I go on a business trip that nobody would ask my husband, right? There's a lot more pressure on women on that home front um, that men don't experience. And I don't Mm. think it's because men aren't there doing it. I think, like I said, my husband truly, my husband does the laundry. My husband like cleans the dishes. He's fantastic at making sure things are running at home. It's a very important thing. Um, but you know, there's still so much pressure on women to make sure all the home stuff is running. And so there's a little added burden to them. So that's why a lot of times in my books or when I'm speaking, I will talk about home and I will talk about work because again, they're intermingled and they're both so important. I have a quote in the joy of missing out where I say, um, you know, we can bring home the bacon, we can fry it up in a pan. There's that whole old, you know, seventies song that talks about that. You know, you can bring home the bacon, you can fry it up in a pan, but if the kitchen is burning down around you, it does you no good because, (laughs) you know, we go to work and we are trying to do all the things and be amazing producers and helping these people find these homes. And if your home life, it feels like a disaster. It's so hard to be a hundred percent, to be the best version of you. So it's really creating stability at home, create stability at work. Yeah. I would argue as well that it, it feels to me as though this is something that men should be reading, right? Because mm-hmm. we cannot separate business and home regardless. It's just, it, it's absolutely impossible. So to focus all of our efforts and our energies and our ambitions on growing our businesses, oftentimes what happens is we forget that this other part of our life has to suffer in in the process and that it and that those priorities it has to be a priority so i, th- I think there's a lot of value in in uh you know both sexes i think diving into this subject and and actually looking into what those goals are at home and i think for even for i mean i'll just say dudes but for dudes i think it's important for dudes to actually just spend some more time evaluating what they actually want from their families down the road, five years, 10 years from now. And I know I have, I have young children. I traveled a lot last year, spoken in like, I don't know, 25 or 30 different places, spent a lot of time on the road. And, um, and that meant time away from my, from my family. I spent a lot of time with my family and when I'm home, I'm really home and, and all that stuff. But it's, I've realized kids don't want necessarily quality they want quantity (laughs) like they would like quality and quantity and as much as they could possibly get at all times and i understand not everyone can can be there all the time at every every moment but um i think sometimes we accept a certain level of busyness in our lives a certain level of detachment 
from our families or our business uh, in, in just, you know, as it's something that is required of the job, but yet the productivity side of things is the way to buy back some of that. And do you find that people have more time than they actually believe they do? Oh, without question. People, yeah. this is a thing that I think is so amazing. And this is actually something we're going to talk about when I speak at Bob's event in January is, you know, it's called bending time because time truly is how you process it. Mm -hmm. So we have times where we feel like we have an excessive amount of time and times where we feel like time is short. And one of the things I'll talk about is, you know, 60 minutes working in the office, it's the same as 60 minutes at the beach. They just feel vastly different because it's all yeah. in how we process it. And so people have a lot more time. I think if they start doing a time audit and paying attention to how they're spending their time, you would be surprised how much time you're spending scrolling on your phone, right? Or doing mindless tasks or just, you know, sitting in carpool lanes for a lot of people mm -hmm. or sitting in traffic. And it's like, okay, what can I do so that I'm actually getting something else accomplished? If that's not ha happy time for me, right? It's a great time to listen to a podcast or you know what? Not to do something that's quote unquote productive, but just listen to music because it feels good, yeah. right? We get really caught up too and always feeling, and this I find with a lot of real estate agents, they feel like they constantly have to be productive. If I'm not productive, I've wasted time. And yeah. that's, that's a lie that we tell ourselves. That's because we're trying to earn our badge of worthiness. We find a lot of our value and our worthiness in the doing. How much did I do today? Did I do enough? And the truth is, there's a lot of joy that's found just with singing really loud, bad lyrics in your car. And there's a lot of joy that's found in sometimes taking time to scroll or just sitting in your backyard. I know for me living in Asheville, I love sitting in the backyard and lighting the fire pit and just looking at the mountains and having a conversation with my husband. We tend to undervalue those things because they're not quote unquote productive. But if we yeah. go back to all the way at the beginning where we talked about productivity isn't about doing more, it's doing what's most important isn't me sitting on the porch with my husband something that's the most important? It is to me. So that truly is productive. That's time invested in my marriage. And I think that is really what's important. I love that. I love, love that. that. So I like also the shout out you gave, Bob, for the Staying Power <laughs> Conference that you're going to be speaking at in January. January, when, uh, what, uh, Bob, what is the, that? January, January 23rd. And I'm uh, yep. sorry, my main camera went out on me. So now I'm on my secondary camera. But uh, yeah, January 23rd. Um, is going to be staying power at Williams Bryce, which a uh, fun fact about Williams Bryce, uh, the upper deck actually sways when it, when everybody's in there oh, and nice. it's rocking. So <laughs> talking about rigidity, like the stadium we're going to be at uh, where we have the event is actually made to uh, move with the external forces that are put on it. So uh, pretty cool, pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, January 23rd, Tanya is going to be one of our uh, headline speakers. So really excited about it because I think, um, like this conversation has shown, real estate agents are people that really need to know how to be productive, how to manage their time in a way that is um, that gives them that fluidity. And I think you even say like time management is like not a not a word you really like. Mm -hmm. It's like I don't time, like time management. So yeah, time there's management. no managing time. It's right. yeah, right. Time it's is time. Time is time. And it's like getting out of that mindset, even for us of like, Hey, we got to manage our time. It's like, no, like what does real productivity look like? How do you, how do you build a life that is going to allow you to live more fully? So uh, very excited for that. And I think we've got some other great speakers on the docket as well. So it should be a great time. Brad, you going to fly down? Uh, yeah, I think so. No, I probably won't, oh, but good. I will check the, I will check the, 
Actually, you know, after this conversation with Tanya, I feel like I'd love to fly down and meet you in person. Um, Tanya, uh, as we wrap up here, I just want to say, first off, huge thanks. I feel like we could have went for hours and and, and that you've got so much to share. Uh, our audience is primarily high producing real estate agents um, that really could benefit, I think, from so much of what you teach. Now, do you have any immediate resources that agents can go dive into to just take a step in the right direction as they enter to 2024? Where can they find more out about what you do, what you offer, follow along, all that sort of stuff? Yeah. Well, if you go to tanyadalton.com, that's my website, you'll see on there, I have a little mini course. It's about five minutes to peak productivity. I have a oh, five cool. minute activity. I walk you through in this mini course. Super simple. Again, everything I teach, I like to say, I don't teach rocket science doesn't need to be complicated. It's very simple, very easy to do, but it will increase your productivity. So I have a, a little uh, mini course there that's free for anyone to take. You just sign up cool. for it and I, I send it to you. It's three lessons and that gets you started really being more productive. I also have my podcast, The Intentional Advantage. So wherever you're listening to this podcast or if you're watching on YouTube, I am there as well. You can do a search by my name or The Intentional Advantage. Um, and of course, I have my books, The Joy of Missing Out and On Purpose, which are available anywhere books are sold. But Tanya Dalton is kind of the hub for all of those things. Amazing. And of course, yeah. I'll be there January 23rd as well, right? Yes. In person. Yeah. Amazing. Tanya, thank you so much uh, for coming on uh, the podcast today. Full disclosure, I feel like you gave us all so much uh, to, to dive into and to work on. And all of it, if I summarize it, it comes back to that idea of just really defining what those more, most important things are in our life, setting those priorities and then being intentional about our day. I like that. Feel a little bit more equipped myself for 2024. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I feel it. like I've gotten more it. out of this conversation than any conversation we've had with other people. And yeah. maybe that's because I am grossly this unequipped. Is, this is the sum of all the valuable conversations I've had with Bob. Just, just this one hour. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> Thanks, <bro>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Love you, Bob. Thank you so much, Tanya. And we really appreciate you coming on today. Well, what did I tell you guys? She was absolutely fantastic. Hope you guys found a ton of value on that. And remember, we've got a great backlog of other episodes that you can find on your favorite podcast player. Go yep. check some of those out. And please let us know. Give us some engagement, some feedback. Did you enjoy this episode? Who would you like to see us talk to in the future? Whatever it is, make sure you hit that little bell, that podcast reminder thing, so you get the next episode served up in the next week or two.